Hey, I'm Emily Duncan Wilson, and I'm the producer of Classical Sprouts. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please donate to help Sprouts continue to grow. Go to classicalsprouts.org slash donate. Thanks. We've got intricate instrumental ornamentation, dramatic vocal performances, and musical pitches that exist between other pitches. All this and more because we're traveling to learn all about traditional Middle Eastern music styles. Today on Classical Sprouts! Welcome to Classical Sprouts, the awesome classical music podcast for kids. I'm Kate Botello, and today we're going to talk about the classical traditions of music in the Arab world. We'll explore traditional instruments, meet some famous vocalists, but first, let's start with a Quizlet question. Today, we're heading to Egypt. The ancient Egyptians needed to try and predict when the Nile would flood each year, and this led to the development of the first what? What modern-day thing was created because of the ancient Egyptians needing to know when the Nile would flood? We'll give you a hint along the way, so stick around for the end of the show, and we'll tell you the answer. Today we're listening to the music of the Middle East. But what do I mean by that? The Middle East refers to a geographical location, which includes both Arabic-speaking and non-Arab cultures and communities, and includes such countries as Saudi Arabia, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Iraq, and Jordan, as well as Turkey and Iran. Now that's a lot of countries, and the music-making traditions and histories are all pretty different. But many of them have an identifiable sound and shared musical style that we're going to listen to today. We're going to use a few different terms today as well. First off, the word Arab refers broadly to a culture and identifies folks who speak Arabic as a language, but includes many different tribal and social groups within it, while Middle East refers to a place. Arabic is both a language and a descriptor, like in the case of the term Arabic music, where we're talking about music from the Arab world. So the word Arab is something we can use to describe something. We'll learn more as we go on, but for now, let's get into some music. While there's a lot of variety in Middle Eastern music, it does have a distinct sound. Why is that? Well, first, music of the Middle East is almost always monophonic, which means in a piece of music, there is one melody line played by all of the musicians in the group without much or any additional harmonies. That means that melody is super important.
Next, the kinds of notes that are used in those melodies are pretty distinct. Going way back in history, Arabic music has been based on eight different scales, modes, or maqams. Each maqam has a different set of seven notes and is meant to sound like a certain mood or emotion. These notes are then used in the melody or to improvise off of. Here's one maqam, the maqam ajam. that sound familiar? It's one of the most commonly used maqams. Many others are based off of that one. And here's another, the maqam hijaz. sound different. What kind of mood do you think they sound like? Another thing to note, uh -huh, you get it? See what I did? Yeah, anyway, another thing to note is that the way that you tune instruments when playing Arabic music contains something called microtones. The distances between notes can be really tiny. That's why they're called microtones, right? Micro means tiny. And they're even closer together than the distance between the notes on a piano keyboard. And then, when you put all of these parts together, the monophonic melodies made up of macombs and microtones, you get something that sounds like this. In case you thought we were done with things that started with the letter M, you'd be mistaken, Sprouts. Okay, it's time to talk about the meter, or the repeating rhythmic pattern or pulse that exists in the music. Now here's an example that might be most familiar to you. That meter is a repeating pulse of four beats. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, sometimes Arabic music has meters that repeat like this, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes the rhythm in Arabic music is pretty freeform or is organized by repeating a specific rhythmic phrase rather than a specific count. See if you can find the pulse in this next piece.
break, make sure to follow us on Instagram to get access to even more content that we don't get to cover on the podcast. Stick around, Sprouts. We'll see you after the break. Hi, I'm Keith Brown, and I'm the host of Gameplay. Every week on the show, I celebrate the amazing world of video game music with everything from beloved classics to brand new soundtracks. You can stream episodes at our website, GameplayShow.org. I hope you'll join me for this adventure. episode, I asked you, which modern day thing was created because of the ancient Egyptians needing to know when the Nile would flood? Well, here's a hint. We still use them every day, and it is a crucial part of how our society works. You wouldn't know when to go to places if it weren't for these. You might have one in your hand or hanging in your kitchen. Any guesses? Stick around for the end of the show. We'll tell you the answer. break, we talked all about the sound of Arabic music, the parts that make it up. Now it's time to dig into some different traditional instruments and vocalists. First up, the oud, also sometimes called a lute. It looks a bit like a guitar, but has a much shorter neck and no frets, so you can play all those microtones, remember those microtones, yeah, and a large round body, which creates a warm, whole sound, and is one of the most important instruments in traditional music of the Middle East. Here's a clip from NPR's Tiny Desk concert series with oud player Rahim Al-Hash. to talk about one drum today, but it's been used for thousands of years. It's called the darbuka, and it's shaped like a goblet or a big drinking glass. Darbuka players create rhythmic patterns with two contrasting tones, dum, produced by striking the head, and tek, produced by striking the rim. So you can do a lot with just one drum. Now, let's get into some vocalists. Arab classical music is known for its famous virtuoso singers who sing long, elaborately ornamented melodic tunes and are known for creating huge excitement in audiences. One of the most famous Egyptian singers of all time is Um Kulthum and has been called the voice of Egypt. 
Um Kulthum sang for the inaugural broadcast of Radio Cairo in Cairo, Egypt in 1934. From then onwards, she performed at a concert on every first Thursday of a month for 40 years, and it became a tradition for households to tune into her concerts every month. Her songs deal mostly with the universal themes of love, longing, and loss. She would repeat lines of the music that audiences would request, and at the peak of her career in the 1950s, her performances could last up to five hours, even if she only sang three or four songs. That is so cool. She is famous for holding a handkerchief in her hand while she sings, adding to the drama of her incredible performances, and we will have a video for you on our website at classicalsprouts.org. Please do check it out. At the beginning of the episode, I asked you what modern-day thing was created because of the ancient Egyptians needing to know when the Nile would flood? I gave you the hint that you use it every day, and you probably have access to one in your hand or hanging in your house. And nope, it is not a clock. I'll give you another hint. Thirty days hath September, April, June, and November. All the rest have thirty-one. There's your hint. You think you know? It's Darbuka roll, please. The world's first calendar. The ancient Egyptians were the first people to have a year consisting of 365 days divided into 12 months. I mean, that's really cool to think about. We've been doing that for a really long time. Neat. Alrighty, Sprouts, thank you so much for taking a tour of music from the Middle East with me today. We've got images of the different instruments, videos of Umkul Thum, and more on our website at classicalsprouts.org. So be sure to check us out there and rate and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you always know when a new episode is available and so more Sprouts like you can find out about us. This episode was written and produced by Emily Duncan Wilson with support from Amanda Sewell. Our digital content manager is Casey Brown. I'm Kate Botello. Masalama. Bye bye. <laughs>